Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Good morning. It's 830 on Thursday, May 31st. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, we'll hear more from Republican candidates running for Mississippi's 3rd Congressional District House seat. Then, the latest in guidelines for colon cancer screenings, one of the most prevalent types of cancer in adults. And find out how a two-day conference about racial healing is taking on the tough issues. We often just choose not to talk about certain things. We don't want to expose our own complicity in racism. Plus, in our book club, author Zachary Hilpert recounts just how many U.S. presidents have visited the state of Mississippi. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. will replace Congressman Greg Harper in the U.S. House of Representatives. The Republican legislator is not seeking re-election. As the June 5th primary elections near, the race for the Republican nomination in Mississippi's 3rd Congressional District looks to be the most competitive. Congressional, uh, given the high stakes of that single primary, we invited all six candidates to talk with us. Yesterday, we heard from two candidates. Today, Mississippians and residents of the 24-county Congressional District We'll hear more unique perspective from those vying for the seat. Business owner Morgan Dunn is an advocate for rural health care. She tells us how her experience would guide her in office. My husband and I own a restaurant that his grandfather started 55 years ago. We're third generation in McGee, Zips Cafe. Um, my background is health care. I'm heavy into health care. I have my own um, health care consulting firm. So I consult with uh, Rush Health Systems out of Meridian, Mississippi. Now, because you don't have a political background, you haven't held office, why jump right to Congress? Why not? What says that I, that I can't? You know, that's, that's the beauty of our country. That's the beauty of what, what we're made of is if you're willing to jump out there and do it, why not? You said that health care is what you're most involved with. What issues facing the country are priorities for you? From a healthcare perspective? No, from any from all issues facing the country. Well, I think first and foremost, our our largest issue is our, our debt, our spending. We've we have to get a handle on it. And I do not think that we have um, politicians in in our government that understand what a budget is. I mean we it's it's a business. You have to run the government like a business. You can't overspend what you've got coming in. That's the basics of business. You know, you you, you have revenue and you have expenses. God How, forbid we have an, an influx of cash and we actually can put some back. <laughs> How do you expect to work with others? I mean, can you be bipartisan? Can you work you together? To you have to be. In life, there's negotiation. I negotiate with my kids. Right? You negotiate from kids to business. Of course, you have to negotiate. That's the beauty of 
President Trump. He's a master negotiator. So do you think that um, you can work well with President Trump's agenda? Do you agree with everything? And if you don't agree with everything, how will you work around that? I agree with everything except his Twitter. (laughs) But he does his own with what, you know, the media throws at him. I think he kind of gets slighted a little bit on the media aspects. But for the most part, I agree with just about everything he's doing. I mean, we put him in that office. So we need to support him. We need to support his decisions. I mean, look, North Korea denuclearizing. Did you ever think that that was going to happen? There's a strategy behind his intent and his decision making. And as a congressional leader, that's what we have to do. That's how you unite the Democrats and Republican. Follow the lead of the people. The lead of the people put Trump in there. Let's unite and push his agenda. Many say that the new tax laws are more beneficial to the wealthiest in our country. Mississippi has the lowest per capita income in the nation. Are Mississippians at a disadvantage because of the new tax laws? I do not think so. As a business owner, we've seen positive, positive income. How so? Well, (laughs) just from the tax breaks. I mean, we've, what is it, $2,100 on average? I mean, that's, that's huge. That's huge. It's, it's a positive. We gave bonuses to our employees for the first time in, I can't say from the, the grandfather's perspective, 55 years ago, but I can say from ours, ours we, um, we gave bonuses for the first time to our employees. That's huge. That's huge. It's giving back. The tax breaks were huge. How will you reach Mississippians? You're not a name, not. so to speak. So how are you going to reach voters in District 3? So I have this um, campaign going on, local campaigning, and I'm walking the streets of each town, each community, talking with businesses, talking with people on the street, going to the post offices. Just a really big ground game is is how I'm going to get my name out. I mean, obviously, money is an issue to get on TV. So if you can't get on TV, walk. (laughs) (laughs) What do you most want voters to know about you? Um, That I'm the rural advocate. I think if you look at our district, from a small business and economic growth, if you look at our district, we have the highest percentage of um, counties that have had negative 3.9% to 0% growth. That's important. If you look at our district, we've got... um, East, I call it the east, the west, and the belly. They've not been focused on. We haven't, we haven't focused on the entire district historically. Understanding that and bringing focus to all counties, not just the ones that are highly populated, all counties. I know Mississippi. I know it in and out. Wife, mother, business owner, healthcare executive. I know Mississippi because. Those small counties, Stonewall, Mississippi, is important to me. Small rural hospitals, that's my background. We have to ensure that all counties, no matter if they have 100 people in them, (laughs) towns and counties, it's important. And that importance needs to be heard. Morgan Dunn is running for District 3's congressional seat. Thank you for coming in today. Thank you, Karen. Thanks for having me.
Jackson native Whit Hughes has a background in business and politics. He says while he's not a career politician, his economic development experience is valuable. I've been involved in, in conservative politics on national, state, and local levels, uh, but you know, other parts of my background and experience involve economic development. I was I was the deputy director of Mississippi Development Authority. Uh, I've owned and operated my own consulting business focused on economic development, and in recent years, I was a chief development officer at Baptist Health Systems here in Jackson. And uh, I resigned that position back in January to enter this race, so I'm, I'm pretty serious about it. Part of my motivation in getting into this race is that I, I feel like a lot of uh, voters in, in the 3rd District do. I'm, I'm frustrated with Washington, D.C., and the fact that we have folks up there just holding office. Uh, I've been the only one in this race, candidly, from day one that's that's been campaigning in every county in this district. What issues facing the country and therefore facing Mississippi are most important to you? You know, most of the time I hear folks say, you know, we're Mississippians. We want somebody with character and integrity. Uh, but more than anything else, voters want somebody who understands economic development, somebody that can focus on more jobs, a stronger economy, uh, lower taxes, fewer regulations, uh, you know, finding ways to get the government out of our way so we have chances to be successful. Uh, and some other topics that I'm talking a lot about involve immigration reform and the importance of securing our southern border. Uh, I'm talking a lot about debt and spending. Uh, right now, we're on a track that's not sustainable. I, I want to be a part of changing the spending culture in Washington. Right now, we have $21 trillion in debt. Um, I'm talking a lot about uh, health care, not only the accessibility of health care, but we need we need leaders in Congress that are focused on the affordability uh, of health care. And, and, and then, of course, I'm talking a lot about supporting our military uh, and our veterans. Uh, but more than anything else, I'm trying to make it clear to voters that the hard worker they're seeing on the campaign trail is going to be the same hard worker representing them in Congress. And the point there is I'm going to be accessible, and I'm going to work hard every day for every county and every community in this third district. How will you work with President Trump's agenda? You know, what's been fascinating to me on the campaign trail is that President Trump's popularity uh, the basis of his popularity really is about him doing the things that he said he was going to try to do. And and to me, that's pretty good commentary on how people view Washington, D.C. these days. You have a leader that steps up and is trying to do the things he said he's going to do, and, uh, and it's perceived as a breath of fresh air. Um, I support the president. I, I want him to be successful. Uh, I believe that gives our country and our state chances to be successful. And, uh, and you know, even in the first year of his administration, I think you've seen some some really positive steps in the areas of, of tax reform. Uh, you know, we've we've cut taxes for businesses of all sizes. Let me uh, let me stop you there. Sure. That's one of my questions. Yeah. So Mississippi has the lowest per capita income. And some would say that the tax law, the new tax law, puts Mississippians at a disadvantage. Well, uh, there's some really good things about this tax reform package, and uh, number one is uh, getting rid of the individual mandate from a health care standpoint. From a constitutional perspective, uh, I'll never understand how the federal government can dictate to an American citizen that they have to buy a product. But if you look at this tax reform, uh, as I said, it touched 80 percent of Americans in a positive way, and, uh, and, and the result and the outcome is, 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 is bonuses and increased wages and, and benefits and increased optimism from employers. And, and, 
and so my priority as a member of Congress, and I make this clear everywhere I go, is that uh, I'm going to be focused on more jobs and a stronger economy. The government's not going to create the first single job, and I understand that. But I do believe as a member of Congress, I can play a role in creating the kind of environment that employers appreciate. And, uh, and, and if we do uh, a better job of that, uh, I believe we'll have opportunities to not only position for new jobs and new investment in our state, but more importantly, we can support those that are already doing business here in our state and give them opportunities to succeed, grow, expand, and hire more Mississippians. You mentioned that you've been out on the road in all the all 24 counties. There are six candidates, though. How do you separate yourself from the others? Well, I've never run for office before. Uh, I, so, I, you know, I'm, I've entered this race because I care. This is not an extension of me uh, having built a career in politics and feeling like I need to win this race. And uh and, and and get the payoff on a, on a career in politics and go to Washington D.C. and and quote unquote be somebody. Uh, that's not what I'm interested in. I, I'm, I'm I'm not wired that way. I don't know how to think and behave like a politician. Uh, I, I'm ready to go up there and show people that that I have some backbone. Uh, that I know how to be for what I'm for. Uh, I'm going to put put principles over politics. Uh, I'm the only one in this race with any kind of direct economic development experience, and, and I think that's matter. That's that matters. That's the that's the number one thing that I hear from voters is they they want somebody who understands economic development that can focus on stronger a stronger economy and more jobs. And lastly, I'll say uh, that I think I separate myself in this race for the same reasons I've always separated myself and been successful. I've always been willing to work harder than everybody else around me. And a lot has changed in politics over the past 20 years or so. But I can tell you, there'll never be a substitute for hard work. And and when you're answering a call to public service, at the end of the day, I think that's generally what people want the most. They want somebody who is going to go to Washington, D.C., represent them in a way that they can be proud of, and that will not have their decision-making driven by what's politically popular or what will keep them from having a primary opponent the next time around. They want somebody that will focus on the right things for the right reasons. Republican Whit Hughes is running for the 3rd District Congressional seat, and we thank you for coming in today. Thanks so much for this opportunity. Join us tomorrow morning as we hear from the final two Republican candidates. Find full conversations with the candidates online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB Public Media app from the Apple or Google Play stores. Coming up in MPB News, the latest in guidelines for colon cancer screenings. Plus, find out how a two-day conference about racial healing is taking on the tough issues. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The American Cancer Society is recommending new guidelines for detecting certain cancers. They suggest all adults get screened for colon and rectal cancer starting at age 45. In previous years, the recommendation was age 50, depending on your risk level. Experts say the new guidelines come on the heels of a rise in colorectal cancer rates and deaths among younger adults. Dr. James Sones is chief of the Division of Digestive Diseases at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. He says colon cancer is highly preventable, but less than 70% of adults in Mississippi are getting checked. Mississippi's 
still lags behind the rest of the nation in percentage of people getting screened. There is no doubt that screening saves lives. Screening reveals small polyp lesions that could turn into cancer that are removed, and therefore uh, that particular person doesn't suffer colon cancer. In the U.S., colorectal cancer is the second leading cause of cancer-related deaths, according to the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. In other news, some Mississippians are meeting to talk about ways to heal the growing racial divide. MPB's Desiree Frazier reports. More than 100 Episcopalians from across Mississippi are in Canton to talk about racial reconciliation. One of the guest speakers is Katrina Brown from Pennsylvania. She produced a documentary about her ancestors in Rhode Island after discovering they were the largest slave trading family in U.S. history. Brown says she and members of her family retraced the Triangle Trade slave route from Rhode Island to Ghana to Cuba. And it was life-changing. The majority of us have changed our careers as a result and are champions for the idea of reckoning process in this dialogue. So we go to churches and schools and community groups and museums and present and help um, facilitate dialogue. Mississippi Bishop Brian Sage says the nation is facing growing challenges surrounding race. He points to comments made by actress Roseanne Barr comparing an Obama administration official to an ape as an example. And for her to say such incredibly vile things that that insult a person's humanity the way they did just really I found it very shocking. Anita George, a retired educator, spearheaded the event. She says they're committed to diving into the issue of race and being open about how they feel. We have to step outside of ourselves and look at ourselves. When we do that in community with other people, we're more likely to to accept where we are, the good and the bad. Bishop Sage says it will take dialogue and building relationships to foster racial healing. Desiree Frazier, MPB News. Coming up in our book club, author Zachary Hilpert recounts just how many U.S. presidents have visited the state of Mississippi. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. In this week's book club, a piece written by a father and son duo is on the table. We're talking about the book Campaigns and Hurricanes, A History of Presidential Visits to Mississippi. Zachary Hilpert wrote the book with his father, John Hilpert, who is the former president of Delta State University. The two cover presidential trips from William McKinley to Barack Obama in historical context. Zach tells us how many commanders in chief have visited the state. So far, 14 presidents have visited Mississippi, all of them uh, among the last 20, uh, including the most recent visit by President Trump when he came to the Civil Rights Museum in Jackson back in December. Who was the first president to visit? The first president to visit Mississippi was William McKinley. Uh, This took place in 1901 when he took a train trip that brought him into the state via uh, Corinth and Uh, He ended up making stops in Jackson, among other places. But one of the really interesting things about his visit was that when he was in Jackson through the switch that actually started the electricity up at the uh, World's Fair in Buffalo, um, where he would unfortunately be assassinated just a few months later. He flipped the switch in Mississippi? Yeah, interestingly enough. I don't know exactly how they connected it, how much was symbolic versus uh, actual connection between Jackson and Buffalo. 
But there was a ceremony that took place uh, in 1901 where William McKinley flipped a switch in Jackson that, whether really or symbolically, uh, began the electricity, turned on the lights at the Pan American exhibition in Buffalo. When I think of notable visits by a president, what comes to mind immediately on a more lighthearted note is Teddy Roosevelt, because it's here that the teddy bear was invented. Exactly. So this was in 1902. Roosevelt was in the state for a vacation. Uh, This was the first time that a president, a sitting president, had made a vacation trip to the state. He was there specifically to hunt bears. He never actually shot a bear, but there was a moment where uh, he and his hunting party had been pursuing a bear. Um, Finally, uh, the bear had gotten ahead of them, but some of the people in Roosevelt's party had caught up with the bear and stunned it by hitting it in the head with the butt of a rifle. And then the leader of their party kind of tied it to a tree so that Roosevelt could come up and have the honors of shooting it. And when he came across this scene, he decided there was no way he could do that, that there was no honor in shooting a tied-up injured bear. Uh, So a toy maker in New York City heard this story, um, asked the president if he could name his line of stuffed bears, teddy bears. And, of course, that legend still lives today. What are some of the other notable visits, the ones that really have stayed with us through history? Sure. So um, FDR arrived in the state a few different times. His first visit in 1934 was to highlight some early New Deal accomplishments. In fact, he went to Tupelo for a couple of reasons. Um, First of all, because Tupelo was the first community to be served by power from the Tennessee Valley Authority. Um, Second of all, because he and Eleanor Roosevelt had championed a program called subsistence homesteads near Tupelo, which were meant to give homes and land to struggling farmers during the Depression. Um, Unfortunately, that program didn't go anywhere, didn't get very far, uh, but some of those homes still exist today. Uh, But uh, Eleanor Roosevelt, the first lady, made a visit to those homes and, in fact, uh, got into such a good and long conversation with the people who lived there that the president's motorcade had to uh, basically lay on the horn to get her to come back out and rejoin the group. Uh, But he also then, during the 1940s, I think it was in 1943, uh, made what at the time was a secret visit uh, to inspect military installations in the state. And in fact, that wasn't really announced to the public until long after FDR had passed away. Were there any presidents that visited who were not welcomed in Mississippi? Well, that's a really good question. Mississippi in the first half of the 20th century especially was not a Republican state like we really know it today. Uh, A lot of the presidents, of course, in the first half of the 20th century, or at least in the first few decades of the 20th century, were Republican, um, including, uh, of course, McKinley, um, Teddy Roosevelt. uh, But they were still welcomed in the sense that there was an acknowledgement by the state, by newspapers in the state, that this isn't our guy, uh, but we are going to roll out the red carpet anyway. I mean, keep in mind that until the advent of radio, until the advent of TV, uh, it was really difficult not just to see the president, but even to hear his voice. And so when the president makes a visit to a state, uh, especially at the time, what would have been considered kind of a far-flung state, uh, because travel took so long to get to Mississippi, it was really a big deal. And so while there were political resentments that obviously existed, a lot of times those would be put aside simply because this would be such a big and historic event for the residents of the state. 
The book is called Campaigns and Hurricanes, A History of Presidential Visits to Mississippi. It's written by father and son, John M. Hilpert and Zachary M. Hilpert, who we've been speaking with. Zachary, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure to talk with you. Hear this conversation again whenever you want by subscribing to our podcast. Just search for Mississippi Edition in iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting app. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi Edition, only on MPB Think Radio.